We're here to share with you inspiring stories that bring to life all the little and big ways that people bring more love, joy, laughter, and humanness to everyday life. Our focus is the hunt for those little moments that refuel the human soul and reminds us what life is really all about. I invite you to sit back, enjoy the moments, enjoy the stories, the adventures, and the journeys. Welcome back to another episode of What the World Needs More of. My name is Jerick Robbins. I am your host. Very excited with a special guest here today. Uh, his name is Mark Ormrod. You got it. You got it. Oh, yeah. I was hesitating because I didn't want to mess up that second R in there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us. Pleasure to have you. Uh, thank you for having me. Now we're going to jump in with the question of the show, which is... What do you believe the world needs more of? Kindness and gratitude. Ah, love it. Kindness and gratitude. And how do you bring those into the, the world each day yourself? I, so, so gratitude is, is easy. That's a daily thing. Um, and it's something that I just, I programmed into a morning routine and it's something through, through that habit that I've enabled to have as a more of a, a primary, uh, not function, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, primary reaction mm -hmm. to things rather than a, a secondary or, or not at all. And kindness is pretty simple too. You know, just treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, do more than is expected of you. And if you see something that needs doing and, you know, you know it's the right thing to do, just do it. Mm. I love it. Simple effective practical and yet so many people need to be practicing this <laughs> i know i know uh here's my next question what's your wow factor what makes you uniquely you and what are some of the moments that helped shape it over the years damn that is a good question um my wow factor i think it could potentially be my positivity you know, to, to most things, nearly all things, the way I the way I look at things, my mindset, my point of view, um, is generally very different to a lot of people's. Um, and what was the second part of the question? So, what is your wow factor? What makes yeah. you uniquely you? And what are some of the life moments that help shape it? Oh, um, I mean, so that the life moments there's so many of them. Um, Starting really for when I was when I was seventeen, and I and I started a career in the military, through to when I was injured when I was twenty four, uh, and and trying to rebuild my life and basically start from scratch again. Where where positivity and and looking at the good things and being grateful for the good things in your life was only my only real option. Mm. Mm. And what? How did how did so how did that come about? How did it become the only real option? 
and, and I'm asking for the listeners. I've been there. I've been had someone stare, you know, a doctor in a white coat stare me in the face and say, hey, buddy, you got six days left to live. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you don't really have the option to pout about it. You don't really have the option to be you can be sad about it. You know, it can mm-hmm. frustrate you, hurt your feelings. You can give up um, or, you know, you, you got to find a way through it and it, it can inspire you. You can become grateful for what you do have. You can become, you know, driven to do something with it. Uh, you can find a purpose bigger than yourself. There's so many options, but but how did gratitude become your only option in that scenario? So just just a bit of background uh, for the listeners. You know, I, I'm obviously I'm not from America, as you can tell by my funny accent. I'm from the UK, and I was a Royal Marines commander. You know, from the age of 17, I served in Iraq when I was 19 and Afghanistan when I was 24. And Christmas Eve 2007, out in Afghanistan on a foot patrol, I stood on an improvised explosive device and lost both my legs above the knee and my right arm above the elbow. Now, I woke up back in the UK on the morning of the 28th of December, um, very briefly, and then over the course of the next two or three days was gradually brought out of a, a induced coma. And when I, when I woke up and was more or less fully with it, you know, and I knew what had happened um, and, I, and I was trying to deal with it, I just remember thinking to myself, you've only really got two options. You know, option one is to look at your situation and say, why me? You know, I hate the world everything's so unfair and just spiral out of control and and become very negative. Or you could look at your situation and you could say, I'm very lucky. I'm still alive. Yeah. I've got some issues and some some challenges, but so does everybody. What can I be grateful for in this situation and how am I going to change it and move my life forward? And that's what I decided to do. You know, I was very grateful for the fact that, that I was alive you know, the, the injuries I just described were the only ones that sustained. So there was nothing wrong with me internally, uh, nerve, no nerve damage or anything like that. I didn't suffer any traumatic brain injuries or anything that, you know, a lot of my friends and colleagues, unfortunately, had to deal with. Mm. And so that made me feel very grateful. You know, I knew it was going to be a long road ahead, but, you know, training to be a Royal Marines commando isn't a walk in the park. So I'd, I'd been there before. So I just knew it was a case of applying that kind of mindset to my rehab as I did in my military training. And just to think of reasons every day why I was actually lucky, you know, and that was a huge motivator for me. And it's it's carried on throughout my entire life ever since that day. Wow. And so what is some of that mindset that helped you get through to become a Royal Marine Hold on, let me make sure I'm saying it right. Royal Marines Commander? Commando. Commando. Oh, sorry. Yep. I've, I've, you got it. I've done some training with different professionals, and I've learned titles do matter. <laughs> 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 and I apologize in advance. I tend to screw them up. No, no, no. That's fine. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, you know, I, I had a chance to go do some, some training with the pararescue jumpers from the Air Force here in the U.S., um, and, and I was talking to some of the field surgeons, and you know, they, they have tough decisions when they find someone in that position. Um, you know, do you want them to remember it? Do you want them not to remember it? How, how do you want to take care of this human in the process? And what's the right thing and, and civil thing to do in those moments? And it's like, wow, that's a huge decision for them to make in taking care of you when they discover you in the position you're in after 
you know, stepping on a device like this and, and losing limbs. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you fast forward and, and you see another decision that's made when, like you said, when you wake up. Um, we, we interviewed uh, someone a handful of episodes ago who was born with cystic fibrosis and had to have her second, she had her first double lung transplant and then they failed and she had to go back and have her second double lung transplant. And I was watching her Instagram yesterday. She's constantly going in and out of the hospital for surgeries to just keep fine tuning and adjusting all the bits and pieces on the inside to keep things working. Yeah. And, and mindset is a huge factor in her resiliency to stay alive. And I'm hearing that thread in, in your situation of what you shared, which is, you know, the make the decision that says either I'm in or I'm out. And if I want to be in, then it's saying, okay, what are the other aspects that you have to do with your mind every day to keep it in a place where it stays in? Because it's easy, you know, to get pissed off one day, hurt one day, sad one day, frustrated one day, depressed one day and say, screw it, I'm out. This is stupid. But it's much harder. It's it's, it's much more of a battle and a a challenge for someone to choose to stay in every day and, and move forward and make that progress. What are some of the things you would tell yourself or what are some of the things you would focus on? to have the resiliency to keep going when so many others would, would generally give up. Do you, do you know what it was? I think you touched on it slightly earlier when you said it was about making something, making it something then more than, you know, more than being about yourself and bigger than yourself, mm. you know, and th- there are a couple of things really, you know, I, I have a huge amount of pride in being a former Royal Marine. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I woke up in the hospital, thinking to myself, you know, we're, we're just over 350 years old now. We, we were formed just over 350 years ago. And I remember thinking, as, as silly as it might sound, you know, I'm still a Royal Marine, you know, and I still represent the Royal Marines, and I've got 350-plus years of history on my shoulders now, and I don't want to be the one to let the side down. Mm. So I use that to help me maintain my mindset, my professionalism, my, my drive, and my attitude in the early stages of my rehab. And then... You know, what you were saying just now about the power rescue guys um, was quite interesting because when I was when I was injured, I was the the UK's first triple amputee to survive my injuries. Wow. And I, I died before I was put on the back of a helicopter. Wow. And then when I was on the back, the medics, they, they classed me as dead and they were working on another guy that was injured in the blast. And when one of them walked past me, they saw my eye flutter which told them that my heart was beating and they performed a procedure on me, which had only been cleared to be used three days prior to this incident and had never been tested on human casualty in the field before. And it involved these guys drilling into my hip bones on the back of a Chinook helicopter, which is, you know, banking from left to right. Everyone's in an adrenaline fueled state. There's sand and dust going everywhere and they're drilling in my body right next to all my vital organs and just somehow managed to to get the intravenous line that they were putting into me to bite into my hip and to give me the fluids that I needed mm-hmm. to bring me back and resuscitate me. Mm. And when they got back to the field hospital, you know, everyone was elated that they'd saved my life and they'd stabilized me and they were going to fly me back home. And then one of the doctors turned around to the group of medics that saved me and said, do you really think you've done this guy a favor? Do you really think he's going to thank you when he wakes up at home with both legs missing and arm missing? Do you think he's going to want to live that way? And totally destroyed 
their morale. And, you know, the, the incredible thing they just did, he, he put a real downer on it. Mm. And I, I was told that. And I always remember thinking, you know, from now on, I'm going to live my life in a way that honors those people. Because there were there were over a thousand people, I think, involved in my evacuation. When you look at everybody from people that made phone calls to people that were on the radio to helicopter pilots to medics to all these people, you know, and I thought I, I owe a lot of people my life and I want to live my life in a way where when they see me on, you know, Instagram or whatever, they smile and they think we did make the right choice because this guy's in his life now, you know, and we help with that. And so that really helps me make it about more than just me, you know, and I'm trying to do that to, to show the respect, you know, and, and the gratitude that I have for them. I also have kids, you know, a 13 year old, a seven year old and a five year old. Um, and you know, you kind of got to lead by example with kids. They'll, they'll learn from you, from what you say, but they'll learn more from what you do. And so you can't really, you can't fake it with them because they're around you 24-7. When you wake up in the morning to when you go to bed at night, they see who you are, how you are, how you approach things, what your attitude is, what you do, how you treat people. You know, and, and I want them, like any parent, you know, you want your kids to grow up to be good people. So despite the challenges that you face, you still got to try and be the best version of yourself that you can be for them. So again, it's about making it more than about just yourself. It's so true. It's one of the most powerful forces in in, in the human uh, capacity, which is we'll do more for others than we ever will for ourselves. And when you can find something more than yourself to fight for, to stand for, to believe in, to be there for, um, it, it's amazing what we're capable of as as, as a species. Uh, but but so often when things get dim and dark and hard and difficult, it's it's more often than not because we're only focused on ourselves. Right. I agree. Totally. And, and so what's, what's interesting is to become the moonlight in someone's darkest hour, more or less, is when that person starts to look around and realize it, it's it's more than just them that they need to fight for in that moment, regardless of what was lost or what's been challenged or what's been broken or what's been destroyed. It, it, it's looking back and saying, hey, but what can I still keep fighting for? And And, and that question is one of the most powerful things. And it's beautiful that you discovered it so quickly. Um, it's heart-wrenching that that doctor used such cruel words to, to beat down the morale of beautiful humans who work their asses off to save you. But mm -hmm. again, it's beautiful that, that you've taken honor and respect back to them and said, hey, if they work that hard to keep me alive, I'm going to keep this, this ripple going and see how far you can take it, which is a beautiful thing, not only for you, for your family, for the community, and for everyone you, you're able to touch with, with your words and actions in the world. It's very beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Here's a question. What's a moment over all these years that made you feel incredibly humble? I think it's it's meeting other people in situations similar to mine. Mm. So when I when I was very early on in my recovery, I, I reached a point quite quickly where I didn't think that the physiotherapists and doctors could take me much further because they were able-bodied people. And yes, they had a lot of experience, but I knew that no, nobody would be able to teach me as much as somebody who had been where I was and had come out the other side. And so I, I got online and I found a guy over in California called Cameron Clapp, who had been hit by a train when he was 15 years old, who was a triple amputee, who was just out there 
dominating life. He didn't use a wheelchair. He didn't have adaptions in his cars. He was a motivational speaker. He traveled around without carers and on his own. And he was achieving, you know, all the things that, that I was striving to achieve in my rehab. So I quite quickly made contact with him, struck up a friendship, um, asked him about going over there and ha- having him teach me. And that's exactly what I did. And, and I flew over on the 9th of June, 2009. I met Cameron. I met a lot of his friends who were amputees and who had been through similar situations. And that was a hugely humbling experience because there weren't many of us in the UK back at that time. I was injured so early on. I was one of the first and there was no one else really like me. And when I went over and I met this huge group of people, you know, and I saw how they lived and what they'd achieved, it, it really humbled me. It motivated me, but it really humbled me at the same time. Mm. Powerful. Powerful. Mm. What about an awe-inspiring moment, a moment that left you in a state of awe? Oh, God. Um, that, for me, is probably more recent, actually. Uh, last year, I got into adaptive sports, and I, I competed, first of all, in Toronto. And uh, three weeks ago, I was in Australia competing in something that's called the Invictus Games, which is all to do with Prince Harry uh, over here in the UK. He kind of tried to copy what, what you guys do in America, something called the Warrior Games. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I first got into that, into sport, it, it's basically uh, a version of the Paralympics, but for military personnel only. Mm. And when I got there having never done any adaptive sports in my life, meeting some of the people there, that that was all inspiring. Mm. You know, seeing what these people had achieved in sport, what they were capable of achieving, how high level they were as athletes, um, really took me back. And it, it, was, it inspired me. Um, and it's just added a lot of value to my life. It's been a huge part of my life now. Mm. Wow, that's beautiful. What about mm. your greatest fear? Probably getting old, you know, I I don't use a wheelchair. I'm a, I'm a full-time prosthetic user since the 9th of June, 2009. I understand that it has a, an effect on my body because I have to work a lot harder to get around. I also train quite regularly, um, pretty much every day, most, most of the time, which again, has a, has a bit of an impact on my body. And I want to be as mobile and as independent as I can be for as long as I can be. But I know that the older you get, you know, the harder it's going to get. And I would like to be a full-time prosthetic user for the next 35 plus years. So the, the one thing that worries me a little bit is, you know, having to go into a wheelchair when I'm older and being restricted slightly and not having that level of freedom and independence that I enjoy now. Mm-hmm. what about your future what are you most excited about you know opportunities you know this in the early days to me you know although I was positive it it wasn't always that easy and I didn't think life would be as exciting as it was when I was a young man in the military running around all over the world doing all the things I wanted to do but so many opportunities have came from this situation that there's just so many things to be excited about. You know, I, I never thought I'd be traveling the world, sharing my story as a speaker. I never thought I'd be on an international stage as an athlete. You know, I never thought I'd get a chance to 
to write a book and, and all these things that have come into my life in the last 10 plus years, you know, are things that I never, I don't think I ever would have done had I not been injured. And, and these opportunities keep coming all the time, you know, and it, like every day of my life is you feel juiced up because something new comes in and you're like, Oh, that would be nice to do that. Or that would be cool to do that. And sometimes it can be overwhelming, you know, that so many good things are, are just happening all the time. It's hard to pick one thing to be excited about, but you know, my life just feels like it's moving in this, in this really good direction right now. And I've, I've worked hard for 10 years and it feels like it's all fallen into place. And I'm just excited to see, what 2019 brings, you know, and, and what we're going to be able to do then. That's powerful. I, I think one of my favorite quotes, it's there's a moment where it'll feel like the, it, everything is at the end and that'll be the beginning. And, and that, that, that is exactly how it feels because, you know, very quickly, you know, most years I'll sit down and in December, I'll plan out the following year and my head will be filled with things and, and I'll scribble it down and maybe spend two days doing it and then plan it all out. And everyone has kept asking me this last week or two, what are you going to do next year? What are you going to do next year? And there's nothing really that I can think that jumps right out at me that I really want to do. It feels like I've crammed so much into the last 10 years. I don't know what to do next. But like what you just said, it kind of feels like it's coming to an end because I can't think of what to do next. But I know that that's just the beginning. It's true. It will be. Mm. It will be. No, we're going to switch gears real quick. This is the second segment of the show. We call this nuts and bolts. It's the tactical, tangible, practical, applicable type advice someone could immediately apply in their life or business. And so the first question here is, what do you currently focus the majority of your thoughts and time and life on each day as of right now? Majority of my thoughts. You know, I... I uh, I just said to you, I, I sit down in December of the year and, and I'll write out a list of goals and I'll, I'll plan it, you know, what I want to achieve in the year. And pretty much every morning when I get up and I, I go through my morning routine, that's what my days are focused on. You know, taking those steps that I've planned out to achieve the goals I want to achieve. I find that is a great way to stay motivated. And it's a great way to stay driven when things are getting a bit much and, you know, and it might be overwhelming or you might be you know, not feeling so positive about certain things. I feel that helps to, to pull you out of that and to, and to keep you focused and moving forward. So I, I spend the majority of my thoughts and my time on, on my goals and, and achieving the things that I want to do. I love it. And in that, what's a key to your success in that process? Having a routine, hmm. having a daily routine and, and sticking to it, you know, so I get up at 5.15 nearly every day out of choice. I, I love that period of the day when my children are still in bed and I've got peace and quiet. And I'll either, depending on my training schedule, I'll either train for a little bit in some form and then I'll spend time meditating, uh, sometimes only for 10 minutes and just kind of focusing on the day, focusing on myself and, and just zeroing in on, on being productive and, and getting it done. And then I just go out and do it and attack it. Um, relentlessly pretty much every day i love it and our final question what's one actionable tip we can share with others to help them achieve and experience the kind of success in their life that you've created in yours one actionable tip 
I think it is, and it's so it's so obvious. It it is it's take action, you know, because I think a lot of people, especially people I've worked with in the past and and I've met, they have a similar mindset to me, and they do similar things. But when it comes to actually taking the plunge and and doing the work, that's kind of where they stop. So I think it's it's all about just having that that courage, I guess, to to take that last and final step and to take action and, and to make it happen. You know, and it's it sounds so basic and easy to do, but I, I find that's where a lot of people stop. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it, it sounds simple, but it ain't always easy. <laughs> no, it's it's certainly not, and um, it, it's frustrating from the outside looking in. You just want to say to people, just do it, just do it. You know, and then they, they they come up with excuses and reasons, and um, that's the that's the that's the time when they need to really just dig deep and and just go for it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, thank you, sir, for joining us. If people want to know more and connect with you and bring you out to an event or their company, if people want to read your book or or, or find you online, where can they where can they go to connect with you? So I'm all over social media uh, instagram facebook twitter linkedin i have a website which is markhornworld.com where they can find out a bit more um and on there they can find my email address which is mark at markhornworld.com i'm I'm pretty easy to find Um, my profile picture will, will say it all you know three limbs missing just sat there in the gym training um but yeah you can pretty much just google the name and it should pop up very cool. Well, we'll make sure it's in the show notes. So when people look it up, they can find you. Just go to the show notes of this episode, click the links. It'll take you directly to Mark. Um, and, and, and Mark, once again, thank you so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Now, for everyone who's tuning in, if you liked this episode and if you know someone, a friend, a colleague, a family member, someone who needs to hear it, uh, please share it with them. We believe that sharing is caring and we like caring people around here. So make sure to share. And I, I look forward to seeing you all next episode. Thank you.